Hey, it's Shane here. Throughout the majority of my career, I spent thousands of hours on my technique to try to be as close to perfect as I could be. But the one thing I didn't work on was my mental skills. On the exact mindset I needed every ball to be able to access all of my technical skills that I worked so hard to develop. Well, I've recently released my book, Winning the Inner Battle, which has all of the information that you will ever need to deeply understand how you can create the correct mindset for you so that you can bring the best version of yourself every time you step out into the middle. Go to shamewatson.au to purchase a copy of Winning the Inner Battle now. It is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook versions. Well, it's now time for your episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Enjoy. One of the things I can remember even my dentist said to me, um, they made up a mouthpiece and all that sort of stuff, saying um, this will help to protect you and all that sort of stuff. And I tried it a few times, but then uh, I've always enjoyed my chewing gum. That was my little piece. It, it made me look sort of cool. It calmed me down a little bit, chewing this gum. And it, it's a certain kind of rhythm as well. Yeah. You know, Bowler would be going back to his mark mm-hmm. and I'm tapping, I'm chewing, everything mm-hmm. work in sequence, you know. And to me, uh, that was my sort of companion at that time. And I'd done away with the mouthpiece and decided, hey, man, my chewing gum is worth much more in terms of how I wanted to feel mm-hmm. as an individual. And um, I made sure every time that before I walk out there, that chewing gum was in my mouth. And yeah. it just made me feel totally different, man. Hey everyone, it's Shane Watson. You're listening to my podcast, Lessons Learned with the Greats. Each episode will get inside the mind of the best cricketers the world has ever seen to reveal the crucial lessons that they've learned throughout their career career and their life. All of my very special guests are my heroes for everything that they were able to achieve on the cricket field. And I feel incredibly privileged to have this opportunity to ask the questions that I've always wanted to know the answers to. Today on this episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats, well, I'm living out my childhood dream. It seriously is the biggest honour to have the opportunity to talk to and gain incredible insights from my favourite cricketer of all time, the one and only Master Blaster, Mm. Sir Vivian Richards. Thank you so much, Sir Viv, for taking time to come on my show. I really appreciate it, mate. Oh, it's a pleasure being here. (laughs) All right. So Viv was a true pioneer in all formats of the game. It would have been incredible to see the devastation he would have created in T20 cricket. Um, but I'm going to read out Sir Viv's statistics and so many of these aspects are seriously jaw-dropping. Okay, so Viv played 121 test matches, 8,540 test runs at an average of 50.23 with 2,400s. <laughs> this is crazy. 187 one-day internationals scoring 6,721 runs at an average of 47, with a high score of 189, not out, a world record at the time, with 1,100s. Okay, for me... The statistic that for me is hard, the most hard to comprehend is your strike rate mm-hmm. in one-day cricket, 90.2 at a time when an average score, a winning score was 210, 220, mm-hmm. and your strike rate was 90.2. Ricky Ponting, who is one of the modern greats in one-day cricket, 
he his career strike rate was 80.39 when 270 300 over 300 was actually a winning winning score that for me just it blows my mind that that was actually possible to do that in that era so viv played 500 507 first class matches scoring over 36000 runs with 114 first class hundreds and 500 list a domestic one day um, games scoring nearly 17000 runs so viv's international career spanned nearly 17 years and was one of the main pillars in the West Indian team that dominated world cricket for a, nearly a generation, winning two World Cups, the first in 1975 and the second in 1979. I'm going to indulge a little bit here. I'm going to continue to indulge a little bit if you I'm don't mind. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it. I haven't heard this for a long time, so it's, it's great to hear it. And, it's, it's and seriously, it. It's, it is. It's jaw-dropping, mm. this, these statistics. It's more than what dreams are made of because mm-hmm. no one thought no one thinks that that's possible mm-hmm. and now and I'm sitting with someone who actually did that <laughs> okay there are a few innings um, of Sir Viv's that I've watched on YouTube over and over again in awe and for inspiration the first one is his highest one day uh, ODI innings 189 not out against England which everyone should do themselves a favour and watch this innings Again, it's way before it's way before your time. The shots that you played, taking on like, it wasn't that there were ropes as well inside the inside the um, boundaries. The ball had to go over the fence, and you were taking guy, you're taking the fielders on, you're taking mid on, mid off on, you're taking square leg on. <laughs> Everyone needs to do themselves a favour and watch that in because it is so so far before your time. And the other one, which, again, is so far before your time, which I just love watching it over and over again, is your record-breaking fastest test entry off 56 balls against England, causing more pain on the English in 1986. Um, So, again, it's just so far before your time. And there's one other – there's one innings that I remember actually watching with my own eyes was your 146 against Aussies um, in Perth. In your it was your last tour? Yeah, I think that was my yeah, last series against last series um, against um, Australia. And I remember watching that with like actually sitting there and watching that game, and I thought the master blaster smacking. I remember holiday uh, watching you smacking um, Tony Donnelly just on just off your pad, just smacked it over mid wicket. Tim May, poor Tim May, mm. he was <laughs> he was an off spinner, right? Well, yeah, that's what we love an off spinner. Uh, off spinners, uh, I've <laughs> always up. felt um, during that particular time, Shane, yeah. that. Um, Thou shalt not bowl. You know, they were bowling straight into that arc, you know, and it's either they're going to get you yeah. or you're going to get them, you know. Uh, but um, <laughs> all spinners I've always felt um, was part of the fact that uh, made you look good at times, especially. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've always felt, uh, and no disrespect to uh, to the office out yeah. there, but I've always felt that um, they were in the right zone. The ball spinning in. Right. Good matchup. We, 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 we wanted to hit it, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so... There were times where I was struggling in test cricket and I would watch footage on YouTube of your innings to realise the intent that I needed to have about mm-hmm. a take on the game because that was me at my best. Mm-hmm. So, there were a number of times when I was struggling for runs in test cricket especially where I'd go into my shell, start thinking, oh, I don't want to get out because I want to score runs mm-hmm. and I'd go, I just watch footage of you showing the intent that you actually, that I needed to have and what you actually 
can have to be your best. Because sometimes when I even look at your, 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 some of your innings in the past as well, because even though you mentioned earlier and you've been a fan of such, uh, it's amazing that I can pay that compliment back to you <laughs> as um, one of the man. modern sort of day player and individual that I just enjoy um, watching just the way in which you utilize the crease and things like that. Thanks, to me, um, that was special, you know, and I've always felt that uh, it's always nice to watch the good things. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so with all the phenomenal things that you've achieved throughout your career, is there one or two highlights that really stand out for you? I've always felt that um, playing at home, <laughs> you know, you're from a small island. Uh, it's a population of maybe about 100,000 people. <laughs> Uh, the ground that you played on as a kid, and going back there in your latter career to uh, test matches and all the other stuff that uh, you, you would have had playing at that particular time. And some of the things that you remember more than anything, as, as a little boy, sometimes you skip, try and skip school. <laughs> you go to the recreation ground and mm -hmm. to see maybe uh, the island players who you had then, the, your favorite players. And there were some good players around at that time, mm -hmm. you know, from your island. And sometimes stowing away in the trees, you know, to, because <laughs> so money was hard to come by, yeah. you know, money was pretty hard to come by and you would uh, store away in the trees and sometimes you'd have maybe um, some over overweight guys on one particular limb <laughs> and for some reason that limb would just give way <laughs> and you'd be right in the park itself, you yeah. know, which was just special. And yeah. going back there in the latter years and, scoring the fastest 100 at that particular time. That was pretty special, you know, because all the stuff from the olden days would come, come to, 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 to mind. Mm -hmm. You would feel that, um, wow, I've really arrived now because from maybe your kindergarten mm -hmm. days, then from your adult stuff, your boyhood, then to you know, becoming an adult and uh, playing for your beloved West Indies um, mm -hmm. cricket team. To me, um, doing that on your home ground, was very special knowing because I'll tell you something uh, people in Antigua are pretty hard to, to convince <laughs> you know uh, they'll hear such stuff on the radio the Richie Benos and the John Orlitz and people commentary from the past mm. and they would say um, no I don't want to hear anything I want to see it for myself so being able to accomplish that you know on your home soil that was pretty special that's something that I, I hold pretty dearly to my heart yeah, and I'm sure the people, mm. oh, no yeah. doubt, the people oh, yeah. of Antigua as well and what, what I think what, every moment of it. And what I think was so important too, Shane, at that time, for the sixes um, that you would hit in, in that particular innings, every six, there was a donation to charity. Oh, was it? Yeah, so it was oh, worth wow. the while going over yeah. the top. <laughs> <laughs> Big time, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, I'll get into the... The lessons learned from a skills point of view, was there, from a batting perspective, was there one or two specific technical components that you worked really hard on and that you knew if I did this every time I went out to bat, I was giving myself the best chance of being at my best? Well, I can tell you, um, maybe because as a West Indian and I, when I first went to England, there's always this doubt about West Indians playing in England. <laughs> The, the pundits in England, you know, who always felt that they had it right. <laughs> um, no guys who hit across the line can be part of uh, a success story in England. Mm. And I've always felt, I, I don't know whether you uh, picked this up in your career or not, but it was one of the best places in my mind to play cricket in terms of the wicket. Once you get in. The scene, mm. uh, you get good value for your shots. Mm. 
you know, the whole field was run as anything. You, don't, you wouldn't mm. have to hit the ball, overhit it, you know, mm. just basically timing. Mm. And because of these things, I, I felt that I was at home. And t- when you believe that sometimes uh, if you're out of Nick or whatever, I would start maybe looking to maybe look to play the ball up into the V as much as possible. Yep. With a, rather than the horizontal bat, let me do this for a little while until I get in. Yep. And sometimes that would set you, you set your mind on what you wanted to accomplish. Mm. And all the other stuff that you think maybe could be potential getting out deliveries, you try and minimize that whole factor. Yep. And um, when I started doing that, then you had a good idea in my mind. When I started punching up the mid on, uh, to, to mid-off and places like that, yeah. I felt pretty good in myself, you know. And sometimes when you start like that, you can see the bigger picture. Yeah. And that big picture is always going to be three figures at some point, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. which yeah. I think um, at times we, um, we need to, to do the things that, uh, that is necessary yeah. that can help us or prepare us for success. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The power game that you had, was there, did you have to work on that? Or was that something that you that natural skill and that movement and that swing that you had, was that something that you sort of had from a, like growing up as a teenager going in the early 20s? Well, I can remember as a, a young boy, um, when we uh, played in the little park that we did, there are certain shots that sometimes you see that little clip off the leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, in England, they say you're hitting across the line or whatever. But um, if you spot it early enough and sometimes just maybe using the pace of the ball and yeah. if you've got um, enough wrist power, yeah. you, you, you can get it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt that um, I, I had all this stuff ever since as a little kid because when we were at home, uh, if you hit the ball on the offside and you hit it over the neighbor's fence or whatever, <laughs> you won't get the ball back, <laughs> so which means um, the play would be, be finished. Yeah. So uh, in order to do that, you'd maybe hit a six and then you'll get out in terms of six and then out because yeah. you lost the ball. Yeah. You know? But then um, on the other side, which was the onside, it was much huger in terms of uh, the, the width which we had mm. then, you know, and you use that, you use that. Um, so every time you would take it from off stump and clip it along that side. So you can say from early, mm. uh, that shot was... Um, was basically practiced yep. in the park itself. Yep. And it helped later on in, in one's career moving mm. forward. Yep. And people spoke about, um, oh, it's hitting across. But I've always felt as a batsman, um, you're not supposed to be hitting fieldsmen. Batsman <laughs> in my, batsmanship, in my opinion, it's an art. It's uh, like painting a picture, mm. you know. Um, and... If you keep hitting the fieldsman, to me, you'll be there for a long time doing that. <laughs> and to me, that was pretty boring. Yep. You know, pretty boring in a sense that you wanted to try and find gaps, you know, have this photographic memory of where you think the fieldsmen are. And I'm looking to hit the gaps. Mm. And that's what I think batsmanship is about, you yep. know. And it isn't about hitting fieldsmen every time. That's to me, um, you won't help to put any bums in seats. You know, uh, you know, so, (laughs) you know, uh, so these are the little things sometimes as a batsman, you you, you get bored Mm. because of this one dimensional thing. So that is why sometimes you'll see uh, lean away towards the leg side, looking to to, to hit you over the top, Mm -hmm. extra cover and things like that. And obviously, with other options in mind that if you 
came a little straighter. Yeah. Then, as you see in the modern day, clearing the the the, the front foot. Yeah. I'm going over the top, and I've always felt that I had the power. Yeah. Um, the power I was. Um, and I did all, you have to practice? Did you have to practice that? Like to have that inner confidence that you knew you could stand there and hit it over the fence, not just over the be- over the rope like it is nowadays. That you could clear the clear the guys. Did you? It's confidence. It's did a- you practice that in a training or just in game time? You just, Sometimes you, you practice, practice that. You practice. Yeah. Um, there are times where um, we would um, have because I wasn't one for the the, the 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 sort of a closed in sort of a factor where you. Uh, <laughs> In nets, and you have another guy hitting next to you, and ball cracking, your ball cracking everywhere, and things like that. Yeah. I've always felt um, pretty claustrophobic about being in that particular um, condition. Mm. And when we would do it in the middle, then you, and then you'll have bowlers who would tell you about the feel that they would have, and yeah. you you try and do the clearing then. And I knew that um, I had the power because I was always pretty much. Um, uh, a, a guy who goes and trains pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, the swimming factor, which I did help. A lot of swimming. swimming. Yes, a lot of swimming did. I used to go every morning and run on the beach. You know, I'm not too far away from the beach, you know, when you are <laughs> someone from the Caribbean. You know? So yeah. with all that um, little asset in mind that, that you have yeah. on board, it was of uh, tremendous help. Yeah, phenomenal. Mm. Um, you were a phenomenal all-round fielder. Mm. 1975 World Cup final, three runouts, direct hits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, obviously, you must have worked. Did you work really hard yeah. on your fielding? Yeah. And with that, was there one from even throwing at the stumps? Was there one technical component that you worked on to know that either your release point was where it needed to be to be able to be as accurate as you could throwing at the stumps? Well, I've always felt, um, especially if you're in, in a circle, I, I don't think I was pretty bad on the boundary as well like maybe doing some sweeping up on the, the <laughs> leg side or the off side, mm. but um, in that inner circle. And I can remember just coming back to some of the runouts which I had, we had in um, 1975, I think it was the very first World mm. Cup, and it was against um, your boys, the Aussie, you know, the, the, the Australian uh, cricket team. Yep. There's some individual who I would have admired from the past, uh, the Ian Chappells and the Greg Chappells and people like that. And I can remember... Um, we played uh, a few matches before even the 75 World Cup, and the Aussies at that time were some bad runners between the wickets, you know. <laughs> they were pretty awful, you know. It's a lot of yes and yes and no. And when you uh, heard that, you only got to look at the right place in, or in the right corner, mm-hmm. and you knew you, that you were in business. Yeah. And uh, I can remember Clive, who was a pretty good fielder in himself. Mm-hmm. He was called the Super Cat. <laughs> he um, said that... Uh, for us in the middle, just be a little more vigilant. And I've always won these individuals who attack the ball. I've always felt that uh, pretty mean that when you take a single to me, um, I felt hard done by. Take offense to it. You know, I took offense <laughs> to that, you know. And yeah. I've always yeah. wanted to, um, to, to, to show that, um, hey, you ain't going to get away with that again. Yeah. And um, there was a few yes and no's at, at that particular time, 1975, and... Uh, because I think the Aussies, they were going pretty well at that time. Mm. And it goes to show you that you as a fieldsman or fieldswoman in your, your, right, your own rights, and if you are concentrating hard enough and you do the right things, you can set, set sometimes uh, batters up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you go a little deeper than normal. Mm. Um, lure them into that false sense of security, mm-hmm. believing that, um, wow, um, wow, that 
looks like I could take one here. <laughs> and by that time, because of the factor, when, when the batter put his, put his bat down and he's facing the bowler, he, he can't be looking around everywhere on the field to see what you're doing. Mm. He must be concentrating on what's coming at him. And then you just thought of a, some little quick steps. So when you think, Brilliant. yes, one, then all of a sudden <laughs> you're on them there. Then there are times you see them look at you with this sort of a in the surprise factor. That, wow, how did he get there? Mm. And we did that against the Aussies and we practiced a fair bit. I've always won who as well, Shane, that after the game, I, I would do some extra work. You know, the, right. big, the big high catches, yeah. you know, uh, the little short catches or whatever it may be, yeah. the little run-out factors and uh, trying to hit one stump yeah. rather than the, the, the three in itself. Yeah. And um, in practice, the, the, the hit rate was always pretty good. So uh, you felt so that, that when you had three, yeah. you, you had a much better chance. All right. So you felt by just practicing the skill over and over again. It is. You then, know, then, you just the then just naturally you'd, just, you'd be more accurate without thinking about the technical component of yeah, it. You no, just naturally feel like you'd just actually just, you'd be able to know what area to be able to throw up, my, what my release point would naturally be because I'm just practicing it over and over again. And what I think is important too, especially when you are in, the, in that circle as you have now today, in that, in that inner circle, guys are looking to drop and run and all mm. that sort of stuff. It, it's about maybe your release as well. Mm. Your, your release cannot afford to be taking any particular time. It's got to be quick. You've got to be sharp about yeah. that. And sometimes that's where the, the risk comes into play. Mm. You know, it's all about that little flick mm. of the wrist in itself. And it, um, it, it, it did help because um, practicing that and with the keeper as well, with there, in, there are times where um, if you hit the keeper at the top of the stump or whatever, sometimes that may be too... Because of that quickness, mm. sometimes that may be too 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 slow or too late. Mm. Sometimes you got to take the stumps on, yep. you know. And when you do that, which means every time that you hit, there's always it's going to be interesting. Every mm. time that you hit, mm. it's always going to be something interesting. And in the modern day, now you have that whole referral system. You go upstairs <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. It yeah. wasn't then, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love what you said there about the tactic of fielding. Mm about been actually like as you said like the batsman's setting up they're just watching what the ball yeah, is running in yeah. and you don't you can't in your peripherals not looking like even say like, like, like you're, like you're interested about um, what they're right. doing you, you're in a different frame of mind but huh. at least in the back of your mind you, you're thinking to yourself wow I'm looking like I'm not concerned about that last single that yeah. was taken but take a few steps back then all of a sudden you just speed up in terms of your foot movement the speed of your feet and by getting there, and it's all about a certain amount of rhythm too, mm. Shane, mm. that uh, you want to get there in such time that at least that your feet doesn't get in the way. Mm. You, you're clear in terms of picking the ball up, whether it's to, to your right, that quick transfer, yep. bap, and goes again. Yep. I, I've always enjoyed fielding. You know, it's, um, to me, it's a um, great part of the game. You know, you have some batters who just enjoy the one-dimensional side of the game in itself, batting, and to me, that's selfish. But mm. you, as a good fieldsman, you can help your, your bowlers out many times. There are times it's a hard day. It's hot and sweaty, and those guys are toiling. And because of your alertness in the field, sometimes you can buy a few wickets along, the, along that way. It's amazing you say that because a couple of the, a couple of the best players that I've ever played with, mm. that was exactly their mindset as well. So mm. Ricky Ponting, that was exactly his mm. mindset. 
and also Steve Smith, mm, mm. the way they train, but then they just wanted to make a difference in the in the field. You can. You you help. Um, and this is why we all there. We have <clears> le- we have eleven guys on the field, and and there are times you know you feel for your bowlers. You know mm. the, the work that they're putting in, and you see how hard it is at times. And sometimes you can just break that whole momentum up mm. in terms of the partnerships. Sometimes <laughs> that can be formed uh, with batters. You can just break that whole stuff up with how alert you are as a fieldsman. And win World Cups. And <laughs> one, or, one or two. <laughs> one or two, one or two. Yeah. Awesome. Um, from a fitness point of view, you guys were pioneers when it comes to mm-hmm. fitness and what the West Indian team did through your generation. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your lessons learned, the benefits that that had on you know, your, your um, career and your ability to perform personally but also collectively as a team? I, I can tell you something. Uh, that whole fitness thing started um, around the Kerry Packer era. <laughs> you know, um, Kerry Packer at that time, you know, he had his challenges with the ABC, mm. uh, I believe, and he wanted to get the best players, uh, the best professionals, the best nutritionists, the best trainers, and the best physios, and he did that. He accomplished that during uh, World Series cricket. And we were appointed an Aussie man who... Dennis Waite, who was just, um, he, he changed our whole um, process in terms of our thinking. Yeah. Um, when you're fitter, the things that you can achieve. Uh, he was a rugby league sort of a guy out of New South Wales, and mm-hmm. he brought some of that hard yucca training <laughs> factor. Mm-hmm. I can remember people like Michael Holin in there and praised him. Everyone just um, looked to us, Dennis. Uh, we sort of set the tone in terms of what our fitness program was all about. Mm. Um, sometimes we would um, arrive down under and Dennis will say to the guys, hey, look, make sure that you put aside some of your, your training gear. So as we get off the flight, we'll check into the hotel. The guys will have their trainers and we are training. We'll be out. And to me, that was um, one of the better things that would have happened because mm. uh, it did open the appetite for a few tinnies. Yeah. You know, you know, after, absolutely, especially after, after a hard after, session. You know, after a hard <laughs> session, you know, you worked hard, yeah, and you really appreciated a beer then, yeah. You know, I'm not quite sure whether um, the guys are quite focused on a few tinnies after the game these days, yeah. but uh, those days, man, you, you worked hard enough, deserving of a tinny or two, yeah. Mm. So, and with the type of fitness that you guys would do? Was it more based around like fielding fitness or um, or was it more like just going for longer runs? Longer or, runs. Yeah, okay. That certainly came into play, Shane. Um, we um, did a lot of that. Even so the longer, guys, distance, longer distance sort yeah. of running. Yeah, okay. And to be fair, we, we had uh, opportunities because of the times that we had. Uh, it's not as a short version as today. You know, you're mm. um, trying to get everything in one package mm-hmm. where guys hardly had hardly have any time to recover and things like that mm-hmm. these days but we used to play against um the state teams mm-hmm. and the guys who would have been resting not playing that day they would go to some serious work man yeah. dennis would put them through some they, they were not sitting around you know and yeah. guys became fitter stronger and were like, they in the gym in the uh, gym quite a lot or uh, more no, so no, just no, no, guys um wasn't serious gym work you okay guys um people like the michael holdings and all that basically it's building of the, the legs, yeah. I think, which was important. Yeah. The, the, the arms of such, uh, we used to use, what you see today with the, the elastic band and all that sort of stuff. More functional um, movement. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, and 
the, the, the running factor too. Yeah. There, there were times where guys would go on long runs. <laughs> If it was rained off, um, we'd, we'd run back to the hotel and things like that. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, guys was just, um, they, they bought into what the whole fitness program was about and mm-hmm. which made, and when you have a team that buys into what your trainer is, is, is all about, to me, that's special. I can remember mm-hmm. everywhere before we used to, when we used to warm up before, like we used to warm up as a unit and it would attract quite a, a wide range of uh, spectators who would come and watch and People when we finished, yeah, when we finished, everyone would just give you this big sort of a send off like, man, well done. So cool. And you felt good and more than anything is when you had folks watching you, the work rate, yeah, you up the work rate a <laughs> little bit as well, you know, so yeah. it was just great times, you know, yeah. to, to, to be around the, the Windies, yeah. Yeah, and again, you guys pioneered And that was Kerry Packer's influence. Yeah, as you he, said he there, was, to be able to um, just go, you know what? I'm paying you guys. We're, this is a special thing to be a part of. But you know what? It's professional as well. To be the very best, you yeah. know. And <laughs> even I, I can remember that um, I was so impressed with um, Dennis Waite's um, work that um, we wanted to have him everywhere. So we yeah. took him to Somerset as well. Yeah. And uh, he was part of the Somerset success story as well also, mm. you know. And It, it was just um, great times, and I enjoy um, the work, the work mm-hmm. rate that mm-hmm. we had was to, to go through. And as I said, because you, you loved a, a good pint of beer or uh, a good tinny at that particular time. And Aussie <laughs> had various varieties of, <laughs> of the tinny yeah. stuff, you know, and yeah. we looked for your constitution could have taken it yeah. quite easily. Mm. You know, you just bang, 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 because you know you trained hard mm. and you knew that um, your, your body was quite um, cool in a way, yep. absorbing a tin or two. Yep. It, it was of great help. As a reward at the end. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Yep. We'll move on to me- mental skills side of things. You're obviously very mentally, mentally strong to mm-hmm. be able to mm-hmm. achieve the things that you did. Um, were you always built that way? were there certain skills or a certain aspect that you really had to work on and develop through your career to be able to know that once you had that, you knew you were going to be at your best consistently? Well, uh, I've always um, been a sort of headstrong individual from very early. You know, mm. um, I've always believed in what I was doing. Yeah. You know, um, I can remember um, even when I was playing soccer for, <laughs> for my grammar school team, you know, against um, – the senior guys, the premier, like the premier league, this is something which was totally unheard of. Mm-hmm. You have a school team participating against the, the bigger boys, you know, and I've always, and even then, the, those folks who were quite bigger at that particular time just felt that um, maybe here this arrogant sort of guy <laughs> or, or whatever because mm-hmm. I didn't show that, that I had, had schoolboy stuff in me. <laughs> I, I always felt that, I could accomplish playing against the big guys and taking them down, you know, or whatever the case may be. And I was given the nickname, the bull. So that gives you some sort of indication of um, what that whole um, process was about. You know, I felt that um, pretty headstrong about uh, believing their times maybe did get into trouble, but they've always said never to you to lose that belief. Mm. That's the only thing that you have as a, As a, as a competitor, you know, you, you lose form and 
you, you sometimes have your bad times or whatever the cases may be. But at the end of the day, it's that belief which, have, which would have gotten you there. And this is what I, I regardless of whether I'm involved um, on a team basis and whoever the, the, the team may be, these are the things that, um, because the things that you can tell the guys, um, hey, you're good enough while you're here. That's mm-hmm. your, your, it's your class would have brought you here. But sometimes you lose that belief. That's confidence sometimes goes. And I said, that's the only thing you have. Mm. You got to stand up for your confidence every time. Mm. Believe in that. Um, okay, I just had a, a bad run or whatever the case may be. Mm. I've been tested. But the only thing that's going to get you through is that belief, that product which you have upstairs that sends the message elsewhere mm. throughout your body telling you, hey, I belong here. Mm. And the belief is going to keep me here. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Was there someone who helped like around you growing up that helped instill that belief in you? My dad was a, (laughs) my dad was a pretty confident man. Yeah. And I can remember some of the old things that he used to say, um, he or she who knows the way leads the way, (laughs) go all the way. And I've always kept (laughs) that to the back of my mind. Every time, every time that you Mm. would, um, get yourself into trouble, something in in a sense where, um, things are not working to your liking. Mm. I'll always go back to those little beliefs. He or she who knows the way, leads the way, go all the way. And that have been my um, my package for, for competing, yeah. It's amazing to have that influence from a young kid growing up with yeah. your dad being able to instill yeah, that in yeah, you as well. Yeah. So you always, had no choice as well to go, well, this is, this is the direction I'm going. Yeah, belief, 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 belief. Yeah. Because as you as a competitor of the years yourself, you – you would have known, you would have hit your, 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 your hard times. Mm. And the only things that you, you have is that whole belief factor that I've done this before, man, I can do this again. Mm, and it. um, it's like uh, in life, uh, we have, um, you may be driving your car and uh, you, you have an accident. That's all part of life. Mm. The next time I'm going to be a little bit more careful. You, yeah. you think about these things yeah. and your belief is going to get you driving again. Yeah. That whole belief. And that's Absolutely. the same as um, competing, you know. And that, to me, is the simplest things that um, one can take. Um, you can speak about changing your bat because you're getting nick off and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. And this bat is not good enough. Mm. That belief. And whenever you lose that. And it's like in life. I carry that belief also. Mm. Not just maybe uh, while competing, mm. but also uh, in life. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just okay to be alive and okay to be part of the world. Mm to be part of this whole structure. Do not believe that there is anyone who is um, like, you may achieve more, you may have more money mm. and all that sort of stuff. You may have a much more luxurious life than a Vivian Richards, but mm. I still have this belief that I'm a man yeah. and no one's going to change that, you know. Right. Simple. Yeah, it's a little that's simple a, things like that, yeah. That's the ultimate to be able to, for people to be able to find, as yeah, you said, yeah. because in the end it comes back to you individually. You, yes, you individually. And no one else can help you. No, but I have the belief, then who else is going to? No one. And people can tell you all this sort of stuff, yeah. you know, but you've got to find your inner. Mm-hmm. And by hiding that inner, they help you on, on the outer. You know, it's simple. This little simple things. Um, you you can it. hear all so many different things in life, but... Um, this is why you try and drum home every time. Believe, mm-hmm. believe in the product which you have. Mm-hmm. Believe, believe. So when we talk about belief, the thing that I find too hard to get my head around mm-hmm. is 
how you were how you were able to take on the fastest bowlers in the world throughout your whole career without a helmet. Mm, mm. I'm not and, and obviously, and, and the thing is, and you would have like you know been hit a couple of times. Well, yeah, obviously, you're yeah. very incredibly yeah. skilled. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. But so with that, was there ever a time where there was a the fear factor came into your game at all? Like at any stage throughout your career? No, 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 no. Because <laughs> so I've, I've, I've Shane, I've looked at um, other sportsmen and women who. Yeah. I have a lot of enormous amount of respect for folks mm. doing it um, extreme mm. at an extreme level. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, I look at maybe a guy driving a Formula One racing mm. car. What is more dangerous than that? Facing 150Ks without a helmet. You know, rubbish. No, no, no. I've, I've always felt, you know, what is more dangerous than that? You know, a guy well, driving did. a car and I. Um, I've always felt that, uh, and I don't know whether it was scary or not to, yeah. to to the individuals that you were performing against, but I've always, and the passion which I felt about the game in, mm-hmm. in itself, that, um, wow, I wouldn't mind dying for something that I appreciate mm-hmm. or love. You know. Um, so that was, a, that was where your belief, mindset was at. That was a belief is yeah. like, you know what, that's how it is. Like, that's how it is, man. If yeah. this is what I chose, and mm-hmm. if... Um, I get done outside here, man. Mm. What a better way to go! Something yeah. that you enjoy, you enjoy doing. That's a so great never young. That's and, a great yeah, and one of the things I can remember, even my dentist said to me, um, they made up a mouthpiece and all that sort of stuff, saying um, this will help to protect you and all that sort of stuff. And I tried it a few times, but then uh, I've always enjoyed my chewing gum. Mm. And um, what? Chew- and what was the reason for that? The chewing gum. Ah, the chewing gum just made me feel because. Uh, you had 11 guys out there. Yeah. You had two umpires. Yeah. Also, you, you're basically outnumbered. <laughs> you're outnumbered. Absolutely. You're as a batsman, you are. As a batsman, yeah. you know. So that was my little piece. It, it made me look sort of cool. It calmed <laughs> me down a little bit, chewing this gum. And it, it's a certain kind of rhythm as well. Yeah. You know, a bowler would be going back to his mark mm-hmm. and I'm tapping, I'm chewing, everything <laughs> work in sequence, you know. And... To me, uh, that was my sort of companion at that time. And I'd done away with the mouthpiece and decided, hey, man, my chewing gum is worth much more in terms of how I wanted to feel mm. as an individual. And that was just simple and plain as that. You know, my chewing gum was my companion. And um, I made sure every time that before I walk out there, that chewing gum was in my mouth. And yeah. it just made me feel totally different, man. It's so cool because most people... And me as well. Mm. You'd see people with chewing gum and think, oh, it's chewing, chewing gum. Mm. But there's actually a, like a, a meaning, deeper meaning, a meaning behind a it. A meaning, a meaning behind that. You know, it was, um, right. my chewing gum was um, my companion and sometimes it got a bit stale if you bat long enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're looking uh, for. Yeah. But, um, but it was um, all good stuff, you know, um, without um, the mouthpiece, mm. uh, with the mouthpiece in, you didn't quite get the true value of chewing that gum, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's a lot of crazy stuff, crazy stuff. You know? Yeah, mm. the I'm I'm going to throw this in as mm. well. The one one um, one over or four or five balls that every cricket lover has mm. to watch. It's some of the best footage you'll ever see. Mm. Is Dennis oh, Lee at man. the Wacker wow. McDonald's Cup? There's five balls that he bowled mm. at you. Five, I think. Uh, those days we had um, eight ball overs. Yeah, you know, and so. like everyone's got a YouTuber because it is mm. some of the most fascinating watching. And um, so DK was steaming yeah, at that yeah, time. You yeah, could bowl yeah. as many bounces as you want in won. the over, yeah, yeah, and he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. 
that is no again no helmet one ball just one ball and I can got remember, a little bit big <laughs> I, got, I got a little I got a little cheesed off in the end the way I got out as well because yeah. uh, I beat you hell and back man with the way in which the Dennis was coming at you at that time because uh, that's an individual that I've got an enormous amount of respect for yeah. as, a, as as a fast bowler man he he was special the perfect action and mm. and I think it was uh, Queensland playing. Uh, we were playing against uh, WA uh, in Perth, and we rolled them over. I think for um, for, for double figures. Yeah, they didn't get into three it was figures. Like, it was like know? seventy or eighty 70 or something, or something yeah. like that. And we all felt, hey man, we're gonna knock this stuff off, man. <laughs> man, that wasn't the case, you know. Dennis, yeah. um, he was on fire. And we got rolled for 68 or something like that, you know. Um, but uh, that was very special. When I see it myself um, on YouTube, uh, there's sometimes I'll, I'll take a little peep. Yeah. And it's scary. It's scary. It's I'm, phenomenal I'm, And if you notice some of the balls that I had a little hook at, yeah. they were all bunks in here, you know. <laughs> and the only thing that got me in the end, man, was the fact that I chopped on trying to play one here. So, and, and up to this day, it still hurt me, man. <laughs> So you watch, the first, you watch the first four balls and then just stop it. Stop it okay. like, yeah. I don't want to see no more, you know. But um, those are special days, you know, yeah. um, highly competitive. Mm. It, it was um, just something that um, as a competitor, it's, it's that sort of stuff you want to be in, mm. you know. Because I, was, I love to compete. Yeah. And Dennis, I think he, he was basically the same. And um, he just had two guys going at it, you know. Um, he won that day and um, hats off to, to DK, man. Um, <laughs> Any other, I wouldn't have heard that days. much. You know, you <laughs> yeah, know, a lot of other days yeah, you've yeah. heard him. Yeah. But yeah, that is phenomenal. Oh, that was, that's um, it, the battle. That's what everyone loves seeing mm. is a battle between two absolute champions. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that is four or five balls of just oh, man, some it's, of the best um, viewing ever. Yeah, in the modern day now, guys, you say, that's your, that's your one for the over yeah. or your two for the over. <laughs> but um, no, no, no. And you did not mind. You know, there's no complaining or yeah. anything looking at the umpire to, to yeah. say, hey, what's going on here, yeah. man? It's like- Bring it on. Yeah. There's some days you lose and some days you win, you know. Bring it on, you know. Uh, it was great fun. Great fun. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, you were a leader for a long period of time as well and in a very successful leader with the teams that you captained. Was there was there one time where a message that you, got, you, that you um, gave or just how you dealt with the situation that, didn't get the result that you wanted. So next time this situation arose, you're like, okay, I'm going to do it this way because I know I'll get a different result or a better result. There are times as captain, um, you take a gamble. Yeah. And sometimes um, it may not work. Mm. Uh, one of the things that um, you, you weren't too happy with at times, especially um, you sometimes as a captain have to be dictatorial at some point mm. where um, – because everyone is so undecided. You know, you look at the wicket um, and you'll ask your senior individuals, um, so what do you think, guys? And sometimes the feedback you get is not positive. <laughs> and then, um, then you put your feet down and mm. say, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do, guys. Mm. Okay? And um, seeing that we are so indecisive about uh, this whole decision making, what we should do, mm. I'm going to make this decision mm. and this is how we're going to do it. Um, and you let everyone know from that beginning, not because may, you may not have made a decision mm. that um, you're thinking, well, if I made the decision and it went wrong, that um, sometimes you get stuck and pointing <laughs> fingers and all mm. that stuff. You try and notify that whole process. Yeah. Like, hey, 
We're all in this thing together. Mm -hmm. This is what it's all about. We are here as a unit. This is the decision made. Mm -hmm. Let's go and do it. Yeah. Let's go and do it. I don't want to hear no bitching after the fact that, um, oh, we should have done this mm -hmm. and done that. I say, guys, we are going in this whole, I've made this decision. Let's defend it. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. And um, you let everyone know that um, if, and this is what sometimes does rub me the wrong way, like you would have made a decision and we all would be um, pretty healthy about the decision that was made. Mm -hmm. And then some, because things did not quite work. And sometimes it's, it does happen like that where things doesn't quite work. And guys are looking to pull them away from that, the whole decision-making factor. Mm -hmm. Those are the individuals that I kind of cope with in my team. Yeah. Um, individuals like that won't last long, Jane. Absolutely. You know, they won't last long. You want everyone to be in the right I want direction. everyone for us to be uh, thinking that um, whatever decision that we make, mm. it's the team's decision. And let's abide by that. Mm. And anyone who wants to ostracize themselves from that decision-making factor, for somewhat never... That his career ain't going to be too long yeah. on the vividness, yeah. See, that's the, that's the amazing thing about a team sport. Mm -hmm, that's, mm -hmm. you, know, you can obviously play individual sports and it's just, it's just you on your own. Mm -hmm. But the power of having a leader who makes a decision and then everyone... Buys into it. Absolutely. Like, that yeah. is the ultimate thing. And, you you, and I guess you would have had stuff like that played in teams where <clears throat> sometimes... Um, Folks are oh, telling him you should have done this and mm -hmm. we shouldn't have done that and all that sort of stuff. Come on, that's why you're a captain. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why you are the leader. Mm -hmm. You are the leader if whatever decision made, you follow the leader. Mm -hmm. And you back the leader's decision up. Simple and plain as that. Anything otherwise, you cannot be part of my team. And there are guys who would have suffered like that, Shane, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the thing from, from my perspective, mm -hmm. Ricky Ponning as a captain was exactly that way he'd always wait to the end of a, a team mm. talk or a decision that was mm. going to be made mm. and just let everyone speak yeah and then every time he would talk it wouldn't be too many words but it'd be the right words, words and yeah. everyone the room would go dead silent and be like okay that's what we're doing let's go follow the into captain. It. that's why he's a captain man that's why he's <laughs> the leader and it's not all the time that the, your decision making is going to be right yeah. But sometimes you defend that decision. Yes. That's what it's all about. You defend that decision. <laughs> and when you defend that decision, then we start thinking like a team. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, media when you were playing was not as scrutinized as what it is now. But um, what you know now from your experiences, would you have approached the media differently when you were playing in any way? There are times where um, sometimes the media can be quite tough mm. and um, sometimes they read into things and report things that sometimes uh, not quite what um, to your liking. Mm. And then sometimes uh, I've gone into trouble a few times like that where yeah. um, uh, I'll go into the media box and <laughs> vent my feelings and mm -hmm. things like that, I guess. Doing that today, it's a serious suspension or fine or whatever the case may <laughs> yeah. be, you know. But um, never had social media as you had, yeah. have you, you would have now. And so we got away with a fair bit in that sense. But still playing in England, because you guys played a lot of yeah. cricket in England, yep, you yep. played a lot for Somerset That's and, right, and County uh, Cricket as well. So the English media, there's scrutiny there nonstop. There, 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 there are times where, um, uh, Ian, I had a guy who. Attracted the media more than anything else. Ian both and Beefy. Ian Beefy both of you know. Um, and uh, being his friend, I, I mm. can remember um, 
we would play for Somerset at times and we'd go out in the, in the town, mm. did the local disco at the time, which was a club called the 88400. <laughs> and, um, you know, you got to burn up some energy every now and again. And <laughs> we, we had the opportunity where we did that. And by the time we got home, there'd be the media sometimes hiding out in little bushes. No way. Yeah, in, in the nights, man. Sometimes you, there'll be a car park um, pretty close to where you live and then, I was always pretty vigilant about this sort of stuff, you yeah, know, okay. because um, uh, I don't think Ian did sort of pay too much attention to <laughs> to what was happening. But yeah. um, I sort of uh, defended him in a, a big in a big way mm. where these matters uh, are concerned. Where I can remember that we would walk home, we would um, sometimes walk home that night, and you see this car, strange car, which wouldn't be close to where you live, mm. and then you know that someone would be in it, and then you go and rock that car a little bit, and you see. Someone is inside there. No way. Go. You know, it's um, especially when we had signed for Kerry Packer and all that sort of stuff. Okay, yeah. um, had the media in the trees. and what? Yeah, man, they'd be in some funny places, man. Wow. Like, you know, you feel looking like, it's, what, is that a pheasant or whatever? <laughs> let, man, me, uh, let me get my, uh, my, my, my rifle or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's, that's how um, it used to be. You know, it, it was pretty hectic. And there, there are times, there are lots of stories uh, were told and um, you got yourself in a few in, in trouble a, yeah. a bit at times you know because the things that were supposed to have been reported they were getting pers in personal yeah, okay. your private lives and mm. things like that and we suffered big time in, in, in that way but I knew it would have been even worse today with yeah, the social media no, stuff I'm not sure know? about that because now with the like you're talking about that scrutiny that's like that's not what happens now to this like it might happen now a mm. bit but that's no, but that's I think Ian, Ian was um, Ian was a sort of character, yeah, who attracted yeah um, that side of um, the media. Yeah, it wasn't the cricket writer anymore, mm, yeah. but the, the social side of yeah. things and um, uh, what we were up to and and all that. And to be fair, I ain't gonna lie and tell you we had a good time. <laughs> um, I wouldn't like I would I would not have liked anyone to tell me about it. Yeah, the great time that they had, I wanted to experience <laughs> that myself. You know? yeah. So. It was good days then, you know, um, yeah. and I know uh, today it would have been totally unheard of. Yeah, you know. Um, so, would you have done anything different? Well, uh, you'd the, be like if you if you had today? your time over, yeah, if you had your time over again, would you have done anything different? No, no, not no. that. Because of um, social media wasn't mm. in play then, mm. I, I wouldn't have uh, have changed that. But if knowing what's happening today, yeah, you know, um, yeah, you you may have tweaked um, a few things here and there. Yeah. But um, the life that we had, we enjoyed it on and off the field, which uh, to me, it's all part of the parcel. Sometimes you, you, you've got to enjoy the sweets, you know, after the sour, you know. Uh, and we, we, we had a great time doing that, you know. And as I said, you know, uh, luckily enough that um, there's a few things reported, but at the end of the day, it wasn't that harming to, to, um, to families and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But sometimes today, uh, this, uh, everyone's got their own opinion, social media, and that spreads. And sometimes it may not be the truth, you know. Uh, it can be uh, quite tough for families and um, next of kin and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, we are privileged that um, what what happened then that stayed there. I'm hoping that it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I love there, your perspective there is – you know what? Yeah, there was scrutiny around and there's, you know, people following us and whatever it is, but you know what? 
wasn't let, let it going to affect my fun no, and my, my fun. enjoyment of my, my life. Enjoyment, no. Absolutely love that because I I know from my perspective, mm. there's knowing this when the scrutiny was ramping up once I started really playing for Australia, you know, I'd hardly go out. Mm -hmm. I'd hardly go out as more so I'd go to restaurants and that's the thing. You're paranoid. Yeah, absolutely. You're paranoid. And And, and I would would have loved that perspective in a way to go, you know what? It's going to be there. I want to make sure that. I don't let that penetrate my ability to have and enjoy my life. I love that. It is, um, (laughs) it it can. And I think, um, what I noticed more than anything else, um, being around here, having Ian as a friend at that time, is how that the, the press, um, because Ian, he had done some great things and, um, he, uh, and they built him up to such height, you know, <laughs> Superman. Mm. And then the next day, they, they wanted to break him down. Mm. You know, I just could not understand that. Um, and they felt that, that they had that divine right. <laughs> You know, uh, because we say these great things about you, um, we, we we have this right also for us to to bring it down. And I think um, the, the English press, in my opinion, they they, they were the worst where, where that is concerned. Um, they, it's, they, and it's they, filtered through <coughs> the Australian press yeah. as well. You know, it's um, follow the colony down. <laughs> you know, is it? Oh man, um, yeah. of course, so there's some connection there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, moving to just um, financial lessons learned, um, and I know you know compared to, and this is not talking about how much mm. money you've mm. or anything like that. It's more so around um, your wealth generation, whether mm. it's investments mm. or whether it's um, in and around building a business or building mm. things to be able to generate money outside of just your your playing days. Were there lessons that you learned um, around ways that worked better for you than others? I, I can tell you that. Um when people see you as a successful sportman at times or woman, it's amazing the times that you can be, you're the, the, the folks that can be attracted to you. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's amazing folks would come and tell you all this stuff that they can do for you. But for some reason, they're not, gambling with their money mm. but they're asking you mm. for you to do this what I'm saying but if this is so successful like I can remember one guy when I was starting to to recede a little bit <laughs> one guy um, up in Manchester said to me he knew how to get this old stuff start oh, going right. again a, re- a regrowth yeah regrowth right. so I'm saying to myself wow such great then I'm looking at him mm. I'm seeing he's even more bald than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, wait a minute, man. You should have been the perfect advert in order for you to be selling this story to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then obviously he sort of rocked back. <laughs> so I said, maybe I've, I'm onto something here, you know? Yeah. And that sort of just run, run me away from that whole process because all this stuff, um, you're paying this money to do this. And if this thing was so successful, this guy who is much baller than me, he would have tried it on himself <laughs> yeah. and worked and said, this is what worked for me and showed me the process from way, from being from A to B or where all the way to Z. Yeah. I never saw none of that. And sometimes there's a whole lot of bullshitters out there, Shane, you know, a yeah. whole lot. And I've had that, folks, um, because when you speak about it, I've always felt um, pretty safe. Uh and just doing the simple things, 
the simple things. Simple Sometimes things some books life. want to sell it a world, man. Mm. You know, and buy some land. Mm. You, to me, that's not going to run anywhere. Mm. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so true. It's all there. Yep. You know, buy some land. You get the deed for that, and mm. at some point, and I've always kept it a little simple because. Mm. I've um I've been in projects before mm-hmm. where folks have sold you some you know a pig in a bag, you know what and what mm-hmm. they can do for you and mm. those things have um, fell by the wayside. You haven't seen the the the, the, the product in itself mm. and uh, the, the the rewards that you're supposed to be getting. So I try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, I buy my land and having that land. Sometimes people want to buy that land. Sometimes you um, if you're going to sell. Uh, because of the quality of the land, and you have it for such a period of time, you 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 gain in mm. terms of um, when you sell, mm-hmm. you you get gain much more than you paid. Yep. So that to me is simple success. Yeah, simple simple success, and you can see the rewards from that. Okay, uh, the land was this price, and because of uh, the years went by, it it um, it be appreciated in such a way that. Um, you're paying much more for it. Mm. So I said, that to me is simple investment rather than some of these guys selling you pigs. And I've had a few of that in life, you know. Um, you have seen so many of those. I've seen a lot of that career. in life, you know, where people always want to spend your money for you. <laughs> you know, um, and you just hear the chat, man, and I go with, run away with that. And mm. sometimes even sometimes people, your friends who are close to you, you, you they, they come and sell you this program and, and you're thinking because we are so close and sometimes you can folks see, seriously use you, man. They use you in such a way that sometimes and then at the end of the day, they want to spit you out, you know? And um, you know, we've on. had a few of that and mm. this is what sometimes makes us stronger. It does. Makes but still, us mm. is, there, is there one <laughs> example that really stands out to you where you felt like what they were saying, like, okay, I get this and yeah, I want to come in, yeah. I get in. Yeah. And then you just saw it just go, everything they yeah, said was just, just, go, just um, absolute they rubbish. Just go rubbish, you know, and I've seen that. I've seen that. I've had um, opportunities like that. And the, the only things that um, that will keep you going is that belief which you took also on the mm-hmm. field, mm-hmm. that belief, hey, man, um, I'm going to dust myself off and come again yeah. because I believe. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if you take the right channels and sometimes you don't take or follow some of those foolish advice sometimes which you get. And this is why we learn. This mm. is why um, we become a better person. We, we become uh, better mentally, uh, having a, a fair understanding who to trust mm. and who not to, to trust. trust. And it's, um, it makes you a, a better, a stronger person in the end because you would have been through all that. And you yourself... Like I'm speaking to you now, uh, you can help others, man. You can help others. Because That's the reason why what you're doing, doing here is it, phenomenal. No, you know, yeah, you can help others. Yeah. With sometimes um, <laughs> the, the the things that you would have been through, you know, the through hell and back and all that sort of stuff. You can tell them about that because there's so many people who who fought wars from the Situation Room, man. <laughs> you know, press a button and who never been on the battlefield. But being on the battlefield, you're able to transform that to folks, you know, who um, who would have never, ever f- had an idea how to fight a war. 
and we could come back to coaches also. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of coaches that can tell you how to bat mm. and how to bowl and all that sort of stuff. The people that I most enjoy listening to are the individuals who have been there, done this and done that. There's no better story than that. They know what works. Thank you. When the heat Simple. is coming, coming on, on you know. in front mm. of 70,000 people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they know. Exactly. Not the guy who sits in the situation room. Oh, I think it should, I think it would be like this. Like this. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. The theory, it's actually the practicality of I've been in the mixer. I've been there. And that's the reason why, yeah, that's why this, at this, this chat, this episode is just, mm. no, no, it's, it's all uh, about, no, it's yeah. about the people who, we're at the coalface. Yeah, man. Oh, they're can, doing, and have done it and have experienced so they're many. They're the ones who can tell you about it, man. <laughs> um, there's so many individuals, as I said, you know, and the same, and this could apply to business as well also, mm. you know, because um, they all know, they all know, and they, they've never used their money to do anything, <laughs> you know, but then all of a sudden they're using you because of um, you as an individual who um high-profile guy and a guy who they think would have made some money and, the individuals who do things like that, man, there's a place for them in hell, man. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes some of these individuals really knows deep down in their hearts of hearts, man, that they're selling you a pig in a bag. They're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, they're doing the wrong thing. Just um, in next life, um, the Almighty or whoever will deal with these folks. So. That's it, man. Mm. Absolutely. It's my final question. Mm, yeah, man. I really appreciate all this time, mate. It's hey, man, Shane, I'm, insight, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying this, man. This is good stuff, good stuff. Absolutely phenomenal. Mm. And I've been very fortunate the last couple of years to be able to, <laughs> <laughs> to have peppered you with so yeah, many yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. So it's incredible. But, um, okay, you've met and been around a lot of incredible people. Is there one person that stands out more than any that have really inspired you? Well, I think it's, it's rather unfair in a sense that you say just one okay. person, you know. Okay, a couple let us, um, let us try okay. and um, yeah. um, beef, it, beef it up a little bit here, you know. <laughs> Go for um, it. Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you met and you met and you met Nelson, Nelson Mandela. Mandela. Wow. Muhammad Ali. Huh. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to tell you. Um, and you met. I remember we were Muhammad Ali as well. Yeah, we were here in Pakistan the same time touring West Indies team. We were Stop in it. Pakistan. Yeah, at the same time we were touring the '80s, and I think he was um, banned from from boxing because oh, yeah. of um, his refusal. Yeah. To uh, to go and fight um, the American war in Vietnam. Yeah. I remember Muhammad Ali saying things like that. I can't remember any of these little uh, Vietnamese ever calling me um, nigger, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And that to me, that's just powerful stuff. Yeah. You know, defying that forces. um, We don't need wars, man. We need love and in terms of appreciation of one another, knowing exactly... uh, the things that we can achieve together. We all may not be of the same color and things like that, but respect for one another is uh, serious, seriously important. Yep. And he believed in that. And I remember we were in a hotel in Lahore, and I think he was there with the Muslim League that invited him to, pa- invited him to Pakistan okay. for him to, to do some tours around because of the things, his ban from boxing. Yeah. And... He was coming on the lift at the same time and I, we were outside there and the cricketer, they all knew what the cricketer and the people from the Muslim League, wow, this would be a good opportunity. Those days I had my little beard and all that stuff then <laughs> and the fro. And as he came out of the lift, we were standing there and one of the guys from the Muslim League said, we'd like to meet Muhammad Ali, he's here, bang, he's coming out now. And wow, it was such a, 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 
a great feeling to to know one of the idols and individual that you you have such enormous amount of respect for. <laughs> and as he came out of the lift, I can remember he looked at me with a little beard and he said, "Hey, man." You look like Smoking Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and because Smokey yeah. had like Smokey as yeah. a boxer as well too, you know. And, yeah. But, you know, it was just, um, man, my heart sort of stopped beating, you know. Yeah. The the next time I, it would have been Nelson Mandela, I was a member, one of the founder members of the Larius for Sports for Good. Oh, yes. Okay. And uh, his first initiative years. And we had our, um, our retreats. In, I think we were in, um, I think it was in the principality at the time, uh, Monaco. Okay. You know, and we, uh, he came as a guest, as the chief guest. Wow. Uh, because uh, I think the individual who was involved with the Larry Sport for Good at the time was, um, mm. I think, a guy named the Dupe, one of the big South African um, businessmen okay. who had brought him over. And I can remember we had people like Ed Moses and, Martin and Arati Lover and just the whole lot. All these sportsmen, uh, uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, yeah. um, who was the New Zealand rugby captain, yeah. and all all the, uh, Tim Horan, you remember yep, those names? Oldies, and, yep. You know, and all these guys, all members of the, um, the, 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 the Larry Sports for Good. And we all on stage at that same night, all the members, uh, the, the Larry um, members at that time. And Nelson walked up, was to meet everyone from where he was trying, from left to right. And I was in the middle and I was with, um, I think it was uh, Mark Spitz at the time, who was yes, the American yep, swimmer. Yep. He was also a, a Laureus member. And whilst um, I'm there and we all waiting for him to come down, for him to shake our hands and things like that, he stops right in front of me like... And he shook my hand and he said, I, don't I wasn't a sudden, you know, he said, Vivian, I must thank you so much and to let you know that my country and myself, we are so, we are extremely pleased with the decisions that you would have made because I would have made the decision at, long before that not to go to South Africa during the apartheid regime um, years. And I can remember the next guy he asked me, what was that all about? What, what did he say there to you? What, 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 what took him so long? I said, well, you know, um, I did not sign this contract to go to South Africa. And he just basically paid some compliments. And that was it. Wow, the guy was looking at That's heavy stuff, man. And him stopping right there and telling you, oh, we used to listen when I was uh, on uh, Robin Island and things like that. Um, the West Indies team used to give us such great encouragement when they were playing against England and stuff like that. <laughs> Man, that, that was just wow. heart-stopping stuff, you know. And those Seriously. days, um, those things uh, uh, I would remember for, for the rest of my life. And people sometimes ask you questions about um, what is the greatest things that you would achieve in a cricket field like? And say, hey, man, it's not what one would achieve in a cricket field. But my greatest innings that I would have played was the fact not signing that check to go to South Africa. That, to me, was the best innings that I would have played. Because mm. that is, because you've, you've told that story to me before, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. is what leadership's all about. Yep. That's what actually yep. being yep. Mm -hmm. a, hu like a human being and a mm -hmm. good human being mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, but just around about like the, the story around Ali Baka coming to you yep. and – the rebel tour taking saying, it. yeah, yep, yep. 
because he had other guys in the wings waiting. The other, the other Malcolm Marshall, there. who was playing, I think, uh, great cricket in Melbourne at the time. Desi mm-hmm. was around at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he said to me that, um, I have, I have all these guys on wait. They're waiting for your decision. And um, it wasn't a tough decision, Shane, man. Mm. It wasn't tough at all, man. Um, I don't know how I'd look my father in the eyes mm. going back home. Um, my father was pretty conscious about all that stuff. And not making that decision at that time, man, you know, and knowing that if I did, it would have certainly disrupt the West Indies unit in itself, the team in itself. Mm. So I said, wow. And then when I look back at the whole uh, scenario, uh, I said to myself, man, Viv, it's not always on the field that you can be a leader. But at that particular time, those boys needed some leadership. And having shown that then, um, I'm ever so proud, man, you know, to to knowing that I, uh, with me not going help others from not making that decision. And then one of the greatest leaders that's ever been, Nelson Mandela, mm, mm. You know, it's, has then um, portrayed that to you and on, a real on stage, appreci- on and appreciation. We even went to that's South Africa. Ultimate. Yeah, we even went to South Africa and we, we met at the time. And we, we wanted to meet Nelson, but he, he was away on official duties. Mm-hmm. And the next most in, in, influential people that you would have found, uh, it's uh, Bishop Tutu. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, we went to his bishop lodge and had a um, man. He um, never stopped um, telling us about it. Uh, you know, he filled with so much energy. <laughs> yeah, and it was so so disheartening at times to hear some of the stuff that went on in South Africa, mm. the head start that um, some of these folks had, and the people of color never had. You know, it was just a serious jump start, mm. and people wanted, wanted wanted sometimes people would wonder why. Are these people um, maybe literate in some ways, not knowing this? Yeah, they never had a chance. Mm. You never gave them an opportunity for them to express themselves, you know? And uh, to me, um, I I know that decision that one would have made, not just helping maybe the indigenous South African in itself, Mm. but also it opened up the doors for all the folks, you know, who wanted to play cricket because at the time they were banned from, playing around the world mm. as a unit. So at the end, that opened up the doors, not just for, e- for everyone, not just the people of color, but for everyone. The, the South Africans started to show um, that they produce in terms of the talent which they had. Mm. And man, it, it was um, so many ways that it, it was of great help to the country mm. and not just uh, one or two individuals, you know. Mm. It's amazing. Great stuff, man. Get on your mind. Uh, <laughs> it is. So, Viv, this really has been, as I said at the start, a dream come true mm-hmm. to have you on um, and to talk to you um, on this uh, episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. You have lived an extraordinary life and have been a pioneer across so many different levels, um, not just on the career field but off the career mm-hmm. field as well. I thank you so much for giving me mm. your time and sharing all these phenomenal insights that I've been fortunate enough to, ex- to hear a number, number of them over the last few years. <laughs> oh, man. But now everyone also is going to continue mm. to have the opportunity to be able to learn from mm-hmm. someone who is just one of the great people and one of the great people to be able to then pass their knowledge on and their experiences on. So we're all going to be that much richer for being able to 
um, understand and get inside the mind mm. of the greatest cricketer in my mind that's ever played. So thank you. Thank you too, Shane. Um, I've always admired you as a, and to be here now, us all the way back from our, uh, you from your, your Aussie land and me from my West Indian lands, um, to be here um, for us doing what we are doing here in, with, in, with the PSL, you know, um, being around you as well too. I think you because I, I'm, I'm one of these individuals, uh, it's not everything that you think because of what you would have been through in the past that is of uh, of great of great uh, belief and great success but sometimes seeing the modern day individual and hearing the modern day individual because I've always felt that I can I can switch from being a blast from the past <laughs> to being someone of the future in that sense uh, because I do respect that I respect um, the modern day stuff uh, I, I have a lot of time for that and what you guys would have would achieve in the modern day I would never ever think that um, that's rubbish in any way and some of my peers do think like that that yesterday was the best day mm. best days but the best times in my opinion is when you can basically transform what went on in the past and what's happening at the present and be part of that in itself I think you have basically transferred that to me as an individual being around you working with you and things like that and I can only wish you all the success in whatever you may choose to, to, to do in life. I hope it's successful. For more episodes of Lessons Learned with the Greats, head to t20stars.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.